It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. and a half in a hockey game, right? Well, it was 2-2 after the first. We left. We drove home. I said, you know what? Forget this. We drove home. Um, it was a late game. It was the Colorado, I think it was Anaheim game. And as I'm driving home, Tim, guess what happens? No scoring in the second. No scoring in the third. <laughs> Overtime, five, and I cashed it. So, so I, oh, I have it. Um, so I have to go cash that that big parlay card. So I have quite a, quite a couple of bucks. They're giving me a lot of free money. We're going down for free money, and I'm going to walk in and start uh, just handing out money. And of course, you're going to make some play, some wagers while you're there, right, Tom? You can't not play baseball. Well, that's what I do. I mean, look, when I go to the casino, people ask me all the time. You know, more times than not, I look. I'm going to make um, some outside of the sports book bets because I'm in a casino. I don't go all the time. It's not you know like a Vegas situation. Uh, so I'm going to have a little bit of fun. But generally speaking, what I do is I have two different piles, okay? I have my sports betting money, which I use year-round to always just go sit back and say, okay, this is my sportsbook money, and then I have um, my my other money, and my other money is my, my play money. They're giving us four or 500 bucks. I, you know, my play money shouldn't, hopefully won't go over four or 500, maybe 600 $700, you know, tops. My sportsbook money is a completely different entity, and I try not to confuse the two, you know? I try to... I'll say, you know, I'm having a losing day, man. I'm down, I'm down like 200 bucks playing blackjack and roulette. And my wife will say, you just won five grand <laughs> on the football game. Yeah, but it's a losing day because that's different money. And and that's the mentality you you take into what you do. You have yeah. to have separated. Yeah, it's a business. You know, it, it's strictly a business. I can tell you to the dollar how much money I make in sports betting over the course of the year. I will not be able to tell you tomorrow night at 2 a.m. Uh, how much money I've lost until I wake up in the morning for my drunken hangover of how bad did I do at the roulette table. Although I usually do pretty well at the roulette table. Uh, my games are I do well at roulette. I usually stroll on over to blackjack and throughout my entire blackjack career, don't lose too much, don't win too much. And then I go and I start doing stupid stuff. I have a little fun with craps. You know, I'll go, I'll go, you know what? Today's a good day, 4 a.m. I've had 32 drinks to go learn Baccarat. <laughs> and one of those kind of situations. We were joking last week because I had texted you. And um, I know you, I knew that you knew I was serious. But to somebody who may have been, say it was a group thread and, and the text comes through and it says, Tommy, can you find me odds on the beach volleyball at the Olympics? And people would probably laugh about that, but we always talk about these non, uh, quote unquote, non-major sports. I mean, I'm talking about the big four or five, right? Where you can make money, and it's funny. Like for instance, tonight, 
I had Misha Tate at the UFC. That was a winner. Last week, I had Dustin Poirier at the UFC. That was a winner. And not that that's, a, I wouldn't consider that not a major sport because it's actually blown up dramatically in the last decade. But we always look at for these angles of what we're going to bet on. It's not all about the NBA, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. There's other ways to make money, and you just have to be smart about it. You know, one of the funniest takeaways that I always come away from golf, and I am a casual golf better, okay? I find angles. I dominate with Brooks Kepka. I gave every one of my listeners at Sports Garden Network, uh, hashtag SGN, guys, gave every listener, you know, Kepka three times last year. I picked my spots. But what I always found out what was interesting about golf is a favorite could be like Rom this weekend, right? Rom's a, a nine to one favorite. He hits people, go, oh, you're a chalk player. But Tim, if you had a nine to one, you know, odds that a guy was going to score a touchdown, isn't that great odds? Are people going, oh man, those are fantastic odds? No one's calling you a choke player then. And so it's just the perception. You mentioned, um, you know, a little beach volleyball, which I, I looked up, and there's no odds yet for it, even on all my sites. But you mentioned that. You know, I'm starting to look at the Olympics, and I'm going men's Olympics basketball. I'm not going anywhere near women's Olympic basketball. I'm not laying minus seven fifty. Weird that I know that, right? But both of the Olympic soccer teams, both of them, are good money and good bets right now. You're getting plus 350. You're getting plus 250 on both the uh, men's and women's soccer teams. I'll take a stab at that. And let's not leave out the Olympic surfing team as well. Cause there was a, there's, it's on there, right, Tom? You sent me the thing. It said surfing. Listen, if you could find an angle, go get an angle, right? Well, this is what we got coming up. So tomorrow, Tom's taking a much-deserved vacation for his birthday. And uh, I'll be joined by radio personality Chris Wynn tomorrow night on the Sunday night edition of Heat Wave Sports, a super Sunday night. But we got Tommy coming up. Literally within a blink of an eye, our college football previews will start. And then the NFL previews start as well. I mean, it's here. We always joke about time goes by so quickly. We are less than a month, or we're about a month away from the first college football game kicking off. Tim, we're, what are we now, eight? I think it's, uh, depending on uh, what time zone, I guess you're in. We're either 18 or 19 days away from the first preseason NFL game. Yeah. Right? Well, well everyone's reporting to camp. What, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, right? When is camp report? Wednesday or Thursday? Everyone's reporting to camp. So... Even the NFL, I mean, it's it's here, guys. When you really break it down, we're about six weeks away from the NFL, seven weeks away from the NFL. Seven weeks doesn't seem like a lot. Seven weeks is, is less than two uh, rent payments, right? It's less than two car payments, man. Seven weeks away, that's all it is. We're going to have team previews, conference previews. We'll have our predictions for both college and pro football. And, of course, Tom, the fantasy football steaming full speed ahead you and i are actually on a for the first time ever we're in a league to together we're in first time ever we're in a league together coming up so we'll have to uh definitely get together about that and of course you can expect our resident heatwave sports fantasy expert steve roy to join us tommy here in a few short weeks you know i gotta tell you tim maybe it's me and maybe it's because of the pandemic and maybe it's because my my yankees stink Right. Uh, and, you know, maybe I don't know. There's a million reasons why we could say maybe. I don't remember ever being as excited for a football season as I am this year. And, and again, 
it could be a personality thing. It could just be, you know, baseball is, is not as good for me this year because the Yankees stink and I'm not used to that. Maybe it's because, you know, I want to see Justin Fields finally a hope with the Chicago Bears. Maybe. But it's not even about the Bears, who, I, look, even in a great year, they're, they're not winning at all this year. It's about sitting back and going, wow, man, I cannot wait for the NFL season. I know last year was storylines. Storylines all over the place. Brady moving location. Drew Brees is last year. Last year was storylines. This year, I just want to see good football. And, and I am pumped up as much as I've ever been for any season. It's going to be tons of fun the rest of the way out as we kick off towards, of course, the NFL season. But with Tom tonight... We had a game five in the NBA, the NBA Finals, the Bucks, the Suns, and Milwaukee is now a win away from claiming the, the NBA title. 123-119, good, exciting game. The last two quarters, I'd say, were really exciting, and especially there towards the end, it got a little hairy for, for Milwaukee. But what I've noticed right off the bat, Tom, is it in game four, fourth quarter, Bucks up, or excuse me, the Suns were, had an 11-point lead. Blew that. Tonight, a 16-point lead heading into the second quarter. Blew that. Nobody to blame but themselves right now do the Phoenix Suns, and they take a tough loss at home here tonight. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a tough loss, and everyone's talking Suns. Tim, I'm taking the other side of this. Mm -hmm. How about the Bucs? I mean, look, you know how I feel about this Bucs team. I am not a, a Milwaukee fan. But I'm kind of a Milwaukee fan, right? I like what they've done. I like how they've built this team. I've, I've always liked the idea of going out there and building things the right way. Um, I like the idea of saying to the rest of the NBA, you know what? You guys have your super team. We backed Giannis. We said... We're going 100% with you. Giannis said, I'm back in this team. Everyone laughed at them and said, you don't have a number two. Well, no, we, we believe Middleton's our guy. We believe Holiday is the missing piece. And if you listen to our NBA preview, what did I tell everybody? I thought Holiday was the X factor. Well, he certainly was tonight in one of the most important steals. And not only the steal... Every other person, 99 out of 100 times, they're just stopping, taking the foul, doing foul shot. No, he lobs it up to Giannis. He absolutely you know, slams it down. Drew Holiday was unbelievable tonight. He's a great defensive player. Steps it up on the offensive side, 27 points tonight, 13 assists. He was fantastic. But what I like about the Bucks is that even... As, as you have an MVP on their team, a two-time MVP, even as they've been the clear best team in the East over the last three or four years, they've been constantly looked down upon. Going into the Sun Series, I don't care if Giannis was hurt or not. People loved the Suns. We're backing the trucks up for the Suns. At worst, Giannis is going to have a seven-game series. At worst, nobody gave them that. And I'll tell you what, what did I tell you? I told you it was going seven, right? I had something in this Bucks team. I've seen something in this Bucks team. They've done it the right way. And there is nothing better. Tell me all you want about CP3 is a good story and all that garbage. Let me tell you something. There's nothing better than the Bucks winning in this fashion for real NBA fans. If you are a real, true basketball fan, besides just the NBA, 
You want the Bucks to win, and you're enjoying this. If you're a fly-by-nighter that wants to see super teams, that no, the Lakers are bad for the sport. Brooklyn is bad for the sport. Snubbing in their face and saying, watch this, watch how we build things the right way, this is good for the sport, man. I am exceedingly impressed with the Bucks, and I just love their story on how they got here. Suns aren't supposed to be here. You know, you look at how in the NBA, I get it. Teams rebuild quickly because they have to. There's just, that's the way it works. And then there's just teams that are historically bad year after year. But the Suns were bad for for an extensive period of time, and, and they kind of just this. You know, this year they you saw little pieces of it last year in the bubble, and this year they really took off, Tom. But you know, you had a I don't even know if the word a reinvigorated Chris Paul would be the the correct terminology because he's technically playing for another contract when you look at it. Whereas Milwaukee, as you said it, Giannis, I mean, Middleton's maxed out. There, there was a reason why they kept Middleton in a maxed out contract. And then Holiday was the X factor in that when he doesn't show up, Tom, it really makes them, I, I say, a liability in that you, you kind of need that third guy there. And he doesn't have to be a superstar. He's a, he's a great role player in that system. And he's just been on fire here lately. And, and you see that happen. And again, and it doesn't matter if it's hockey doesn't matter if it's baseball football for me i always talk about tom you know this i always talk about the veterans that have been there and milwaukee is a playoff tested team that has been there and look they've had bad losses in the playoffs now they have an opportunity to finally break that terrible streak that they've been on and i think they can taste the title and you know it was a matter of just literally like a snap of the finger so i'm down double digits in the fourth quarter at on your own home court they were able to, to fight through that, win that game, and then steal one tonight. This, As far as I'm concerned, the series is over. Yeah, me too. Look, the Bucks have just dominated at home. They haven't won at home. They've dominated at home throughout this playoff series. Um, they have just crushed teams routinely by double digits, routinely by 15-plus. Got a couple of 20-plus wins and, and going home. This was almost one of the biggest Suns wins, or the biggest Suns win in history. They were coming back with about, what, five minutes to go. You said to me, uh, me and you were on the phone, you said to me, man, well, the Suns are terrible. And I said, I'm a little worried here, right? Yeah, because <laughs> the Suns started coming back. They were down about 12, cut it to eight. Then they were hanging around eight, but it felt like they had the momentum. For the Bucks to win this game and win it the, in the fashion that they did, emphatically, Drew Alley stealing the ball is that's not just taking your lunch money. That's that's throwing you down and giving you a swirly afterwards, right? I mean, this was a, an abusive kind of game. I'm looking at the Bucks in Game Six, and I know, look, anything's anything can happen in Game Six. Looking at the Bucks in Game Six, I'm going, what are the Suns possibly doing to stop them? Booker, Paul, and Aiton scored 81 points. 81 points, Tim. They, I mean, they had. You can't say any of Chris Paul, who's a perennial loser, and I say that all the time. You know what I mean? Until the guy wins, let's stop with the top five conversation. Me and Chris Wynn got into it, and it was a laugh fest that me and Chris Wynn actually completely agreed. We were both laughing uh, that anybody would think Chris Paul's a top five point guard of all time, and that's before tonight. Look, the guy had a good game tonight, but they still lost. Aton had a good game tonight, they still lost. Booker had a good game tonight, they still lost. How do you look yourself in the mirror and you go, okay, what do we do? Right? I mean, what do we do? I, I blame Chris Paul for the game four loss. Right? The, the, you want to point a finger. 
Yes, Milwaukee came back, and yes, Milwaukee won that game. But Chris Paul had five, six assists at most. Five turnovers, and I think he had like seven points. It's something ridiculous. He's uh, he is what he is, and, and he'll play his way into somewhere else. I don't think he's staying in Phoenix, Tom. Win or lose, I think he's gone. Ah, uh, that that's an interesting take, Tim. I love it. That is an interesting take because I think that Chris Paul, look, he, he's clearly a guy that's out for the money. He's got no loyalty. We we know that, right? But I do believe that Chris Paul is, at this point in his career, thinking about legacy. And I believe that in his mindset about legacy, I don't know if he leaves the Suns. I'm not sure. I think he wants to have a legacy there. If he wins, yeah, sure. You know, you could go somewhere else because you secured your legacy. You'll never buy a drink in Phoenix again, right? That kind of mentality. But if he loses, there's a lot of... Um, you know, reasons to come back. Young team, big time, uh, you know, fan base. There's a lot of reasons. God, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, I don't, I didn't give it much thought until you kind of just said it. And I'm going, you know, yeah, if they, they win, I could see him leaving. If they lose, I'm not so sure, Tim. I'll present a scenario for you then real quickly. <clears throat> we all know this didn't work out the first time, but if LeBron and AD can get Paul to LA they would definitely pay him rather than pay Dennis Schroeder $24 million to be the point guard next year. They'll make it work. And I think that's where, where I see something like that happening. It's the L.A. way, bro. Yeah. You know what, though? Let, 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 let's have this conversation, okay? okay. Why, why does anybody want to go to L.A.? You know, I keep hearing <laughs> the Damian Lillard stuff. And, and, I, and this is a real conversation, Tim. I keep hearing the Lillard stuff, okay? Well, he wants to win. He wants to win. He wants to win. Then why are you going to L.A.? You know, I, I, I hear this about, uh, you know, about CB3. Oh, well, Chris Paul is going to want to win. Then why are you going to L.A.? And this isn't dogging on L.A. This is reality. You know that LeBron James, call him the physical specimen, call him, you know, anything that you want. You know he's starting to show his age. And he really is. He's constantly injured, constantly banged up. And guess what? He looks like Cal Ripken compared to the guy that they just brought in in A.D., so you're, you're going to jump ship, go to L.A., where there is absolutely no bench play. There's no secondary staff. This is a city where it is win the championship or it's a failure. And you're walking in with two guys that flat out cannot stay on the court. You're also walking into a situation where even if you do win, well, you're not getting any of that credit. The credit's going all to James and, and maybe a little to AD. You're not getting any of it. So, you know, I keep hearing this about, uh, you know, Damian Lillard. I'm going, look, I'm sure LA would move mountains to go get Lillard. I'm sure they would do anything in their power. Anthony Davis cannot stay on the court. And LeBron James, he, he's not getting any younger, right? So I'm, I, I just can't imagine someone at that point in their career going, you know what? This is the choice I'm going to go make because I want to win. Now, you want to tell me they want the spotlight? You want to tell me that, you know what I mean? They, they want to be part of something magical. You want to tell me, okay, all right, you know, they're best friends with LeBron. All right, listen, I'm listening to all of those conversations. But if the conversation is they're going to go there to win, I think we are vastly underrating the, the uh, <laughs> mindset of a lot of these NBA players. It, it, Look, they're all friends, right? Paul, LeBron, they're all friends. They want to play together. And 
you said it. It's L.A. That's more more. I think that's more about what it is. It's L.A. And let's let's try to win one for L.A. And and I'll go. You know, I'll go out on my own terms at that point. I don't know. I, I, if he wins, if Phoenix finds a way to win the next two games, maybe he stays. If they lose Tuesday night, or if they lose Friday, or whenever Game Seven's going to be, I think he's as sure as gone. And um, it really would not surprise me to see him wind up as a Laker finally. And I, I agree with what you just broke down for me. I'm just saying sometimes this is just how the mentality is. Of these these guys that they all want to play together, Tom. They all want to win together. And yeah, I agree. Why would you want to go there to win? But they don't think that way. They think they can do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I I guess. I, <laughs> There's going to be so much politicking going on right now and so much uh, kind of, hey, come with me during the Olympics. It's going to be unreal. And that's the whole thing with the Lillard situation, not to transition away from CP3, but that's the whole thing with the Lillard situation is that, you know, Damian Lillard's a guy that's never been courted. Damian Lillard is a guy that, uh, you know, he's, he's like that dude in high school that you, you everybody knew, and he had a girlfriend all through high school, went to college like first semester, grabbed another girlfriend and now all of a sudden he's sitting here and he's like you know 25 years old and he, he, wait a minute i'm single for the first time you know i i just want to go crazy you go oh, oh buddy buddy you know calm down that's damian lillard he went to a small school nobody recruited kentucky wasn't recruiting him north carolina didn't come knocking duke didn't come knocking right, right. so then he goes to portland oh yeah i'm gonna stay here nobody's ever courted him nobody's ever given him the full court press you hear some guys that I've I've spoken to baseball players, and I'm sure that you have uh, in other sports as well, where they turn around and they say, you know, I want the free stakes. I want the lavish hotels, and they, they want to do it. Well, Damian Lillard has a unique situation here because he's playing for the Olympics. So he's sitting next to guys that are just raving about their cities, raving about you know what their city can bring, what their team can bring how good they are next to each other. So Damian Lillard isn't exactly getting courted in the regular fashion of free lobster dinners and, and nice hotels. He's getting courted by the NBA's best recruiters. And, you know, I do say negative things about LeBron all the time, by the way. I, I, hearing that that movie is absolutely terrible. Uh, but I do say bad things about LeBron all the time. But the one thing that he can do is he can recruit him, you know, I just can't imagine Damian Lillard or CP3 saying, you know what, this is the crew I want to win with. They, they don't seem like that. If you're a choice right now, think about it like this. If you're Damian Lillard, I keep using Lillard just because I know that he's the big topic as well. If you're Damian Lillard right now and you have an opportunity to go play with Steph and Clay and Steve Kerr on the sideline with a bench that includes uh, some some fantastic names in Golden State. They're all in their prime. They're all shooters. We can redefine the, the league. Or you get a chance to go to L.A. and play with two broken-down stars that you don't know if they're even going to play half their games. Where are you choosing? Yeah. I, I, I guess before we get to, to Lillard, because I know there's a little more uh, story there we want to talk about. And we'll even throw in Team USA to piggyback that. Just real quick, Tom, we have a game, a game six Tuesday night. It's going to be in Milwaukee, and the line is five bucks. That's about right. Every game this series has been four and a half or five. Um, tonight was a win, four point win. 
we watched the other night. Uh, I did have the Bucks, and they, they were never covering. I think they covered for like 19 seconds in that game, right? I mean, they were never covering. Covered at the end, barely. These have all been tight, tight games. Um, the line is about right. I think it's a little inflated, actually. I thought it was going to open up at about four, four and a half. Because you got to remember, people that believed in the Suns but didn't take the series price are going to go, oh, man, Suns are going to push it to seven. There was nothing but Suns money coming in today. You know, biggest liability in the sports book uh, for, for the, the finals by far for the playoffs. I heard somebody say it was the biggest liability in one of the sports books uh, for the playoffs. Everyone on the sun. So those people are going to be back. I, you know, that number's five now. I wouldn't be shocked if that goes down to four and a half, maybe even a four. If there's a game seven back in Phoenix, again, can we say Suns four? I think it flip-flops right back to that. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. it depends on how, Tim. Depends on how they get there. You know, if they're able to finally stop Giannis, which they haven't been able to do, um, he, the Suns could be five or more. But if it's just, hey, you know what, Giannis goes off for his 40 and we still win, <laughs> you know, like a game two, uh, yeah, then then I, I think you're right. I, I think it, it's... I, 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 I think four is a fair line, a very fair line. Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. If you want to join us tonight, 876-1340 over on the Heatwave Hotline, at Tom Barton Sports, at HW Sports, over on that, their Twitter. As we take a short time out, we're going to come back, talk Dame Lillard. We're going to talk Team USA's woes as the Olympics uh, kicking up here next week. And, of course, an hour two Major League Baseball, including a great, nice discussion about Shohei Otani and the second half of the Major, Base, Major League Baseball season. Stay tuned. It's Heat Wave Sports. We're back after this. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not, not not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby. Of course, the big story other than what's going on in the NBA Finals, Tommy, and we, this has kind of lingered around here going on a couple months now, is that the unhappiness of Damian Lillard in, in the city of Portland and with the Portland Trailblazers and uh, obviously a new head coach, Terry Stotts, pushed out after being a playoff team, pushed out. Chauncey Billups is the guy there and, and uh, didn't seem like Lillard was too enthused about that selection of coach. And I believe from what I had read that it may have happened, Tom, it may happen tomorrow, it, may happen, it could be happening right now. But apparently Billups is in Las Vegas and he's meeting with Damian Lillard who's with Team USA, and this is, this is the home for the Team USA. And I believe they're meeting to, to discuss the future, but Damian Lillard has said, Tommy, that he does not demand a trade. He hasn't requested a trade, but he does want some sense of urgency out of the Portland front office. So is that a smokescreen to say, hey, man, once the Olympics are over, I'm telling you I'm demanding a trade? Because what, what urgency really can be done right now? There's a draft coming up. I mean, when you look at the free agent market, it's not like there's guys out there that dramatically changed this team into the NBA title contenders. So 
is this just to let me get through the Olympics, let me get through the the finals, and then I'm going to make myself the main story again? I, you know, all indications are he, he wants out and he's going to go. Well, look, Damian Lillard as a person has to be taken into account here. He's not this guy, Tim. I, I think he looks at this as I'm on Team USA. And while most of the NBA doesn't care about the American flag uh, being on their chest and it's a bother to so many of them opting out, right? Tim, I think it matters. I think it matters to, to quite a few of them that are there that didn't opt out. Um, and to Damian Lillard being there, I think it matters. I think I have to believe that he's sitting back and he's saying to himself, you know, it does matter. So for me to come out and be the story above Team USA, above the guys I'm playing with, above, I, I don't want that. So, yeah, I believe he's he's sitting back and he's going, you know what, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to make sure that I'm the story right now. I also believe that there is a there, there's something there that superstars don't like to ostracize the team you're leaving and the fan base that you're you're leaving. They usually don't. And I think that Demi Lillard sitting back and he's going, look, I know I'm going to get backlash when I announce this trade, uh, you know, this trade request because he's going to have to. Uh, but I want to be able to still come back. I don't want to hurt the fans. I, you know, I mean, I do think that there is some emotion there. He's going to have to be the guy because Portland will never be able to to field the team. If they traded Dame and Dame, you know, comes back and says, oh, I never want to leave. You know, I mean, they, they just can never happen. So we know he's going to do it. I think he's classy. I think he's waiting until the Olympics. I think that he's told the team, listen, trade me, but I don't want this to come out quite yet. Don't worry. I'll be the one to say it. So you guys aren't the bad guys. Uh, but give me the time and let me do it on my timeline. If Portland... <sighs> We've seen this before, Tom, right? When when somebody's when the rumors are out, it's usually pretty pretty close to the truth. And if, if I'm Portland, I'm the ownership in, in Portland, I'm the front office, his value right now is gonna be worth more than it is if this drags out as it gets closer to the season. Uh, even even Dame said, I expect to be in Portland next year. That doesn't sound very committed. And when you look at Portland and what they have on that roster, they have eight guys tied up over $120 million. Their last three picks, as far as the future goes, no pick last year in the first round. Uh, the last two picks have not panned out. You got McCollum as your, as your uh, wingman, right? And, and, you know, I'm looking at all these different angles that maybe would satisfy Dame Miller for another year, if that's the case. If, if the best thing you can tell me is we may be able to get Ben Simmons – Get me out. I don't want to be here. Yeah, look, I think he's definitely gone. Um, now it's just a matter of kind of, uh, you know, look, who's going to take him, right? Uh, who's going to be able to rip him away? Because every team in the NBA is going to come calling. He fits everywhere. I spoke lovingly about Damian Lillard <laughs> on my show. I, I'm sure you heard it there, Tim. You know, I went crazy about how much I think Damian Lillard is is. I made an argument that he's the greatest player in the game right now when all is said and done. Now, again, that was with the caveat when you're including age, when you're including personality, when you're including team needs, team fit, how he walk, works, walks into a roster. Uh, I think he's the number one guy. So every team is going to come calling. The question is, 
you know, do they have what it takes to really step it up? And I think they're also going to let Dame sort of pick where he's going to go, you know? So you have to think it's going to be a contender. It's going to be a contender that, um, you know, can pay up. But you mentioned Ben Simmons, right? And I think that that really is the conversation that the, the Portland Trail Blazers have to have with themselves. How do you want to do this, Tim? You know, do you want to walk into this and say, we're going to go get rid of Dame. We're going to be awful for two or three years, but watch the draft picks we acquire. Because Golden State has two first-rounders, right? Watch the draft picks we acquire. Give us this year's first, next year's two first, you know. Bam, let's make a deal. You got three first-rounders because they, they own Toronto's. You got three first-rounders, hit on one of them. There are a couple other teams that have, you know, coming up two top 12 picks. And Listen, that's a philosophy. Tear it all down. Just absolutely annihilate it. Um, and then turn around and you go, okay, I'm going to trade it. By the way, they could probably get Wiggins uh, back from Golden State. So it would be something like Golden State gives us Wiggins first this year, two first next year. Tim, that's a nice haul. That's a nice haul. And you got McCollum and Wiggins this year. Uh, they're not going to be awful. And then all of a sudden, look at the young guys. That's a nice haul back. Or do you go the route, like you said, we want a tested player. We want someone like Ben Simmons to walk in here and keep us afloat, keep us in this thing, because we believe in C.J. McCollum. We think that McCollum is, is a, a viable threat. I don't know where they're going to have this kind of coming to Portland moment, right? I, I don't know which direction they're going to go in. I know what I would do. I'd trade for the draft picks. You know, I would trade it for the draft picks, not worry about this year, complete tear down and build it back up. But that's a difficult spot for me to be in when I'm not the owner watching my arena turn around and be empty. I'm not the owner watching my ticket sales, jersey sales be gone, fan base revolt against me. It's hard for fan bases in any city to deal with a full and utter teardown. And that is kind of what's going to have to happen here if they're doing it my way. And when you look at the, the Trailblazers, even if they figure out a way to make it work this year, Tom, you know, he's due $40 million. He's due 43 the next year. It gets almost up to 48 before he's an unrestricted free agent, which we know he's not going to last another four seasons in Portland. But I, I would say, yeah, you're right. Do what the, the tough thing about that, that the two firsts, Tom, unless you can kind of uh, put them together and get a higher pick. We all know how the first round of the NBA goes and, if you're sending Dame to Golden State, they're picking at the bottom of that first round. It's just, I'd hate to be Portland in this situation without guaranteeing some type of young, established player coming back. Tim, here's why I keep saying the Warriors, and I, I just keep saying it because I keep hearing it, right? So it's not like me breaking news here. Here's why I keep saying the Warriors. Um, right now, what the Warriors have right now, the 7th and the 14th pith, picks. 7th? Mm. And fourteen, and they would be—they would almost have to give Wiggins because of contract uh, reasons, right? You—you're not impressed with a seven, fourteen. And you know what? I'll give you a one next year. You're not impressed with the seventh and fourteenth this year. A one next year in Wiggins. Uh, you would have to do it. There's no doubt about it. I, don't I think that's the, the ideal situation. I, I really do, especially in a draft like this. By the way, that is actually pretty deep. 
you, you know, you got guys like Scotty Barnes, Moses Moody going down to seven, right? You, you could get a guy like Franz Wagner at 14, um, Kisbert at 14. You have some players. There's no clear number one guy out there, right? I mean, there's no, oh, all right, here we go. Uh, this is going to be the guy. I just don't know if there's going to be enough time for them to kind of take advantage. But that's why I keep mentioning the uh, the, the Warriors because I'm putting it in my mind now. I'm going, okay, someone's got to have to give up a lot of money, got to have to give up draft picks. You give a 7 this year, a 14 this year, a 1 next year, and Wiggins? And I'm looking at that on Portland. I'm going, look, we're not falling off the map. You got Wiggins and you got McCollum. We're, we're not winning 10 games, right? I, okay. We got a 7 and a 14. Uh, that's two top 15 picks. If one of them hits, we're looking at a pretty decent team here. And then you could go get rid of Wiggins to dump his salary during the year. Somebody's got to take him, get another pick. And now you go into next year, maybe with two late number ones. I, I, you know, I look at this team and I just go, look, I think it's hard to complete teardown. That's the path that I'm going. I'm going to the Warriors. I'm going 7-14. Give me a 1 next year. I go into next year. Give me Wiggins as well. Trade Wiggins during the year for a late first. I got two number ones this year, 7-14. and 14. Next year, I got my number one, Golden State's number one, and whoever we give uh, Wiggins to, a late number one. Maybe let's just say we could get a, a top 12 pick and then two in the 20s. Five draft picks right away to throw into McCollum. I, I'm, I'm happy with that if I'm a Portland fan. Yeah. Lillard is in Vegas, Tommy. He's part of Team USA. Uh, it's been it's been a tough week for Team USA. Not only not only the men, the women have lost two games as well. You know, and th these teams are leaving for Tokyo on Monday. Everybody says things are going to be okay. Things are going to be fine. We're taking the gold. But what have you seen so far with this debacle of a week? What I've seen is that Greg Popovich is exactly what I've called him for the last three or four years: spineless. That's who he is. He is no longer the coach we used to sit back and just drool over and applaud him. He has gotten in his own head. And I've said it, you know, mockingly on this show, but I've said, you know, he's gotten way into politics and he forgot how to be a basketball coach. You can't lose a game the way that you at Team USA did and your response come out and be the responses that he gave. Look, I know that the rumors are... Team USA was in a strip club in Vegas, right? I get it the night before. All right, that's fine. Uh, in game one. Game two, you go out there, you get blasted in game two. Greg Popovich's responses were defense. He's defensive against the media. Oh, when is that new, right? Angry with the media asking him, daring to ask him why this team was. Hey, are we kidding me, Greg? Uh, is Popovich out of his mind? He's sitting here lecturing the media about how good the rest of the world really is and we don't realize how good the rest of the world is and how good they are and how they caught up to all of us they caught up tim to how good team usa is uh, are, are we joking you're team usa this is your sport we should we, we hesitated to send professionals for years because we're so much better than everybody else I don't care if you believe that nonsense, Popovich, okay? But if you're going to go to the podium, you've got to say, look, we're Team USA. We'll figure it out. No big deal. You know, it's going to be fine. 
Don't give them an inch. Don't uh, tell everyone, well, you know what? The rest of the, the, rest of the, the world is caught up to it. I don't want to hear that garbage from a Team USA coach. And it feeds into his players. And people look at Popovich and they're going, yeah, he's the problem right now. This team has bad chemistry, Tim. We know that. This is a bad chemistry team. You can't tell me that it's not. They do not rebound worth a garbage. I, I, the rebounding is terrible. Even in uh, their wins, their rebounding is terrible. And they just refuse to play defense. So you have a team with bad team chemistry, a coach who's spineless, they, they have absolutely no defense, and they can't rebound. And people are just going, yeah, they're going to be fine. Look, they might be fine. They might win the gold here because their pure and utter talent just pans out. But, man, are we joking where we just think it's going to be all perfectly fine? Guys, I am worried, worried, worried about Team USA. We saw his, his being uh, Popovich. Poor selection of Kevin Love to the team, which ended up he dropped out this week, Tom. But you are going to add Booker, you are going to add Holiday, and you are going to add Middleton to the roster, I assume, after the finals. But that's not a, for, a given either, right, Tom? They, they can make some changes there. But all in all, Lillard, Tatum, you know, you look at Durant, of course, should be enough. But anything other than gold is unacceptable. Tim, minus 550, and I wouldn't go anywhere near it. 550 to win the gold medal? Minus 550, they are to win the gold. Is there is there a line for will not win the gold medal? <laughs> no, I don't see that. Yeah, exactly right. I don't know. I, I... They lost to a team. And I know it's ex- exhibition. They lost to a team with 200 to 1 odds to win the gold medal. <laughs> yeah. I think they. I'm with you. I think they win. They're just too talented. But we've seen, we've seen the NBA players play in this European style situation and not win, Tom. And and we've seen a lot of games that they did win closer than they should have been. I, I think they get. I think they get it done. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see them run through the tournament either. But it's still unacceptable to to half ask these games like these guys are doing. And and that's what I saw, especially in game two. After a loss in game one, in game two to come out and half-ass it again, it just says a lot. You know, I just don't like the idea that, uh, like you said, you know, you, you just want to roll the ball out and be okay. Here's what we got, Tim, right? So minus 550 is Team USA. Behind them, Spain at plus 750. France, 15 to 1. Australia, 20 to 1. Argentina, who uh, they, they wound up just winning... As a 17 half point favorite, they're 20 to 1. Slovenia is 30 to 1. Italy is 60 to 1. Czech Republic is 90 to 1. And then uh, Nigeria, who was 200 to 1, actually beat up on them, uh, beat up on Team USA, and then went down to 100 to 1. And, and then here we go Germany, 125 to 1. Iran, 500 to 1. And Japan, 500 to 1. That rounds it out, basically. It's not, it's not worth betting. You're right. It's not. You can't even bet on another team. I, I don't. I don't follow European basketball enough to know that, Tom. Well, you know, people say Slovenia, the, the odds went from 35 to 1 to 30 to 1. Maybe they, Slovenia has a shot. Um, very potentially Argentina at 20 to 1. But after what you watched, even in an exhibition game, they just got slaughtered uh, mm-hmm. at, at that point. You have Australia at 20 to 1. Maybe. Maybe that's your, your shot. Remember, USA lost. They were 14-point favorite. 
And, and again, for Team USA to only be a 14-point favorite, but they were a 14-point favorite, and they lost to Australia. Australia looked good. France is 15-1. to They were always tough, and Spain was plus 750. By the way, um, yeah, in its first game, they lost to Nigeria as a 28-point favorite. Tim, minus 10,000 on the money line. Jeez. Team USA, outright loss. No LeBron, no AD, no Kawhi. I get it. Still, it shouldn't even be an issue. And speaking of Kawhi, Tom, this, this ACL situation with him, you know, he's due $36 million on a player option next year. I assume he's going <laughs> to reload on that one, Tommy. But uh, this could be a bigger story than, than it really, you know, if, you, if you're looking at headlines, it's kind of thrown down at the bottom of them. But it really is a bigger story for the Clippers moving forward. It's it's always a story. Kawhi is just his own animal. You know, Kawhi is almost Dennis Rodman without the hair kind of thing. You know, he's beating to <laughs> running to his own drum, beating to his different drum, however you want to say it. He's just that guy that anytime I think I got him figured out, Tim, you know, he, he's Rowdy Piper. When you when I zig, he's eggs, right? I mean, he's changing the question when I, I think I know the answer. I mean, that's, that's Kawhi. So this might invigorate him. Maybe this gets him going. Who knows? Maybe he's tired of hearing that he takes too many days off. He gets this, you know, injury taken care of and comes back a new guy. I wouldn't put it past him. There's nothing that I would put past Kawhi. I haven't figured him out yet, and I still can't to this day. Well, we know that we have a game six on Tuesday night. Bucks Suns in the NBA. And possibility of Game 7 as we move into next weekend's shows. But we're going to step aside for the first hour timeout. We come back, a lot of baseball to go over, a lot of baseball to go over. We're going to talk trade deadline two weeks away, discuss the the situation with the New York Yankees. As just when they start to, to put something together, they get hit with this COVID situation. And, of course, a nice segment about Shohei Otani and what to expect in the second half of the Major League Baseball season. It's Heatwave Sports. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton. We'll be back in a few short ones here on Fox Sports Radio.